For more information about First Baptist Church, visit our website at fbclawsful.org. Open your Bibles, if you will, to Philippians 4.8. Philippians 4.8. We're going to be continuing our look at what it means to be the irresistible church and how we can be a part of that. What, what, is it, what does it look like to be a church that, that heaven can't help but be a part of? A, a church that, that, heaven, that God cannot help but want to bless. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's more than just gathering together as the family of God. It, it's what are we doing with with the salvation that God has given us? Are we sharing that? Are we, are we ministering in His name? Are we reaching out? Are we drawing near to God? The, the, the kind of overarching Bible verse for this series is James 4, 8, and then 4, 10. Uh, draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord, and He will exalt you. Are we a church that is drawing near to God. And by the church, I don't mean the, the, the corporate church. We certainly need to be a church that continually tries to draw near to God. But are we as individual members of the church longing to be close to God? Are we longing to draw near to Him so that He will draw near to us? Let's take a look at Philippians 4.8 this morning though. And I'm going to talk for a moment about this idea of gratitude. Those of us who have been uh, for the most part, living close to home. We turn on the news and there's just like an endless news cycle of, of, of bad news and, and we can tend to let it uh, frustrate us. We can tend to let it depress us. We can tend to let it uh, seem like nothing's going on. But let me ask you something. Are we showing toward our God an attitude of gratitude? I want to talk about gratitude this morning. Let's look at Philippians 4.8. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. Sometimes God sends us a directive to be still, doesn't he? And I don't know, but I've spent a lot of time, whether I'm here at the office and it's just there's not a lot of people milling around, or if I'm at home, uh, I've spent a lot of time wondering if God is not giving us an opportunity right now to be still and to listen to Him, to draw closer to Him. He has taken a lot of the, the activities out of our daily life, which, which, which He encourages us to replace with Him, a place that He should have had to begin with. But sometimes he sends us this divine directive to be still so that he can restore us once again. Are we using this opportunity as a time to be drained physically and emotionally? Are we using this time as an opportunity to be restored to him? He intentionally removes the hurry in our steps so that we might correct our cadence. That we might walk a little slower. That we might walk a little more deliberately, that we might walk a little, a little closer with Him. I mean, we need moments to, to regularly and to purposefully slow ourselves down so that we can notice God's handiwork, so that we can express more gratitude to Him for who He is and what He has done. There's an old rabbinic saying that goes something like this, God will one day hold us each accountable for all the things He created for us to enjoy, but we refuse to do so. It's called hurriedness. It's called hurriedness. 
I don't know if any of y'all have ever experienced that. I know I have. We get so busy, we're in such a hurry that we forget to just stop for a moment and consider who God is. To stop for a moment and reflect on His glory. To reflect on the beauty of His creation. To reflect on the, the tremendous beauty of the relationship that He has with us. Our refusal to see and appreciate all the things that God has created for us to enjoy comes in the form of our hurriedness. We just don't stop to consider or stop to look. By not stopping to look, if you'll think about it for a moment, by not stopping to look at, at, at life's scenic outlooks, we don't really enjoy the landscape as God intended. I know sometimes when we, were on, we would go on vacation, we would take these little driving tours or we would pass these little signs, these little roadside signs where there's a scenic overlook. And sometimes we would stop and sometimes we would be in a hurry to get someplace else. And so we would drive past those little scenic overlooks and we wouldn't really get the opportunity to fully appreciate the beauty of what we were driving through. We were in such a hurry to get to some particular point. But sometimes we would. We would pull in and we would stop and we would just take a look. And it would usually be on the side of a mountain or someplace like that. And we would just look out and just be in awe and wonder and have our breaths taken away by the beauty of God's creation. Just the beauty of everything that God did for us. A person who lives an irresistible life must relentlessly, must ruthlessly remove all hurry. Because let me tell you something, life happens in between. Life happens in between point A and point B. That's where the living, living takes place. Writer Noah Ben Shea wrote this. It's the space between the notes that makes the music. Have you ever noticed how God can slow us down on purpose? Some of you may be experiencing that right now. I know that I am. I'm trying to understand what God is, is, is how God is moving through this. What He is doing. What He is doing in my life. What He is doing in the life of our church. What He is doing in the life of the church universal. How He is... How he has, I read on, I read on, on Facebook uh, the other day, maybe, I think it might have been yesterday, that God is having right now the world's, the globe's largest altar call. Everyone on earth is paused. The church needs to be moving. The church needs to be active. The church needs to be taking the gospel to people who don't, who don't have it. And those people could be across the street. Those people could be next door. You can give a phone call. You can send a text. There are plenty of opportunities. God has given us the ability to share the gospel. Will we take that? I mean, the slowing that we're going through now might seem, might seem kind of random. It might even be annoying. But if we look closely... If we look closely at what God is doing, we can see God's good and His perfect hand at work. We can see God using this time to create in us a heart that is irresistible. To create in us a ministry that is irresistible. To create in us a church that is irresistible. God slows us down for a reason. He slows us down for a reason. He invites us to be still and He invites us to see the circumstances around us as evidence of His sovereignty. God has taken things out of our hands so that He can show us that things are not in our hands. 
God is sovereign. God is in control. He has not surrendered His throne. He has not surrendered His purpose. He has not moved on to anything else. God is in control and He has called us to surrender ourselves, to surrender our lives, to surrender our spare time, to surrender the time that we spend uh, in devotion, the time that we spend with our families, the time that some of us are able to spend at work, to spend it more in Him. He's called the church to spend more time in Him, beginning with the leadership. Sometimes the church leadership gets so busy doing ministry that we really miss the point. Ministry is about sharing the gospel with our lives. That's what ministry is. That's what the church is about. Sharing the gospel with our lives. When we're still, when we're still, we're invited to become more grateful for what God has done. Gratefulness takes our eyes off what's wrong and focuses our hearts on everything good and pure and true and right and admirable. If we're mindful not to wrestle against God and His process, we can see that He is slowly leading us to what is best for us. Even though it may not seem like it at the time. I, you know, I, I could, there are times in my life, and I know you've, got, you've experienced times in your life too, where God seems to be dragging us through something. And we don't understand why this is happening. We don't understand why we're going in this direction. We don't understand why uh, God is doing this. But we trust that God is taking us. And when we look back, we see what God was doing in our lives. We see that God was working everything out for our good. We see that God was taking us in the direction He wants us to go in because we don't always know what's best for us, but God always knows what's best for us. Knowing how to be still. Do we know how to be still? Does that characterize our life? Does that characterize the life of our church? We've been looking at the traits of an irresistible church. This is the fourth week of our looking at that. The irresistible church hungers for the presence of God. We long to be close to God so that God will be close to us. An irresistible church remembers who she is. Who are we? We're the bride of Christ. We are his messengers. We are the people that have been, that have been adopted into the family of God. And because of that, we have been blessed beyond measure. We have been given peace and joy beyond all reckoning. We have been brought close to God through the knowledge that we will spend an eternity with Him. And He, he spends every single moment of every single day growing us into Christ's likeness if we'll be obedient and we'll follow. We remember who we are. An irresistible church also lives heart first. We live heart first. Sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes it doesn't work the way we, the world thinks it ought to work. Sometimes our ministries become so rote that we, we're, just, we're just in it because we've always done it. We've in it. We're in it because we're supposed to do it at this time. Look, I think if God hasn't done one single thing with our worship, He has shaken us up. He has caused us to worship with our hearts. You're joining us today. Not because you were supposed to be in church this morning, but you made a choice to get up and sit in front of the television or around the radio and listen. 
I pray that we will use this opportunity to understand that we worship with our hearts. Let's lead heart first. Let's be heart first. Now the fourth trait, the fourth trait of an irresistible church, a church that God loves to bless, is gratefulness. Gratefulness. I believe God is concerned about our being grateful, maybe more than just about anything else. A spirit of gratefulness is developed whenever we stop to notice. Notice a rainbow, notice a, and we don't rush past a sunset. We stop to notice. Do we do that? When we take t- the time to notice, we feel arising in us a deep appreciation that maybe wasn't there before. As you sit at home, do you look outside your window and do you see what God has done? As you spend time with your family, maybe in a way that you haven't done in years, do you see what God has done in that? He is bringing the family back together. We may feel like we're going to lose it sometimes. But God has brought us back together. Maybe you're sitting at home. And God has chosen to bring you closer to Him. He has chosen to bring you closer to Him. Maybe He has let people minister to you through emails and telephone calls and dropping food off at your house and and just being the hands and feet of Christ, loving you. God has given us the opportunity to love you in a way maybe that we never have before. Maybe that's where you are. We're reminded again that we're surrounded by things that we don't deserve, but we have been given them nonetheless. God's artistry isn't limited to beauty or or to a beach, though, or even a river or a rural countryside. I know that we notice those things. It's evident everywhere. God's artistry is even evident in the church if we'll only stop to notice. Gratefulness is discovered when we remove the hurry from our lives and we listen to God's voice in a situation. Are we listening for God to talk to us? A lot of times in our hurry, we throw out these things that we want God to do. And then we don't ever listen for God to respond. God is responding. We're just not listening. Well, God's given us an opportunity to listen. Are we listening to him today? The situation may seem imperfect. Whatever we're in may seem imperfect. But being grateful anyway is evidence of our trust in him. We trust Him no matter what. We trust Him regardless of the circumstances. We trust Him regardless of what's going on in our lives. When we are in a, in a season of life where we are being tested and tried, we trust Him. Why? Well, because He's never broken His promise to us. He's the one person we can count on. He's never changed. He's never gone anywhere. He's never done anything that's contrary to our good as believers. Everything about Him just screams out for us to trust who He is. See, gratefulness, just to kind of give you a contrast, gratefulness differs from thankfulness. Both are essential. We should be both thankful and grateful. Thankfulness is the cordial response When someone does you a favor, you're thankful for it. It's the affirmation that we give when things go our way. 
It's the reply that when someone gives us a gift or, or we get a promotion, it's the, it's the kind of the hooray we give after a blessing. We're thankful for that. Gratefulness, however, is different. Gratefulness is different. See, gratefulness can only be developed intentionally. We have to make a decision to be grateful. It begins with a spirit inside us. It's an attitude. It's, a, it's kind of a, a disposition that we carry and that we practice whether, things are, whether or not things go our way. You see, we can, we can be on the receiving end of bad news. We can be on the receiving end of a bad shake. We can, we can uh, look at, at, at what we're going through in life and say, I just don't understand why we're doing this. And we can still be grateful to God for who He is. That's the, that's the huge difference. Gratefulness means being content before any gifts are given. It means breathing a silent thank you, regardless of, of our circumstances. Gratefulness is a hallelujah, even when there's no guarantee of blessing. Gratefulness is the confidence to accept whatever God brings. I know some people that are just literally eaten up with gratitude. And sometimes when it convicts me, I wonder what it must be like to not get angry at a circumstance. To not let that emotion dictate my response. And then I think about all the saints that God has brought into my life that I've been privileged to know. Some are still here, some have gone on to be with the Lord. Whose gratitude for every day's blessings so simple and yet so profound, have touched my life. And you all know them too. There are people who are just hopelessly, chronically grateful. And we need to be people that develop that in our, in our lives as well. We need to look for things to thank God for. We, and he's, it's not like He's hiding them from us. We need to look for things to thank Him for. Being grateful prompts us not to rush ahead to the next thing. Because even though we don't know what the future holds, we know that God holds the future. That's one of the, the biggest and most difficult lessons that, that we, and, and, and by extension, the church can ever learn. Listen, if something seems like it's lacking in the church, even when you pray for it, you continually pray, you keep on praying, you keep on asking God for it, God's answer seems to be no, or, or, or even you don't hear anything. Then we trust Him in the process. God tells us to bring our requests to Him. None of our prayers have ever returned empty. The result may be not what we were looking for. The response may not be what we wanted. There's a, there was a lady that I, was, had, that I had the privilege of ministering to one time who had cancer. And I went and visited with her about a week before she passed away. And the encounter that I had with her was only about 30 minutes. But the encounter that I had with her literally transformed the way I look at how God works in my life. She said, you know what? She said, God's going to heal me. He's either going to heal me physically or He is going to heal me spiritually. But there is no way God is not going to heal me. 
And when she passed away, I remembered that conversation that we had, and I, I knew right then that God had healed her. She was no longer suffering from what she, was, from what she had physically. God had healed her 100%. And she knew that too when she told me. But she had confidence in who God was. She was grateful for the time that she had. And she said, when my time comes, I'm going to be healed one way or the other. Even though we don't know what the future holds, we know that God holds the future. Mine and yours and this church's and this country's and this world's. He holds the future. We have to trust God in the process. We have to trust Him anyway to answer in the way that He knows best. We have to be grateful that God is leading us down a good path even when we don't see the outcome because God sees the outcome and God is good. God is not going to lead us down a path that is not good. It would be totally contrary to His nature for Him to take His children and lead them down a path to their destruction. His children. Those that have placed their faith in Him, those that have surrendered their lives to Him completely, those that have asked to be saved, those that whose, whose eternity is secure with Him. God is always good. I firmly believe that gratefulness is a decision that we make. We have the power to choose whether or not we're going to be grateful. In Matthew 6, 22 and 23, Jesus said this, The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Jesus is referring to how we, we perceive. He's referring to how we understand life. One person paints things darkly. They paint things darkly, while another person paints things brightly. I mean, you see that if you've ever studied art, you see that, 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 that even that, that some artists, uh, uh, their pictures, their, their work is sometimes consumed by their attitude and their mood and their spirit while they're doing it. Some artists worked in just grays and darks and dark colors. And when you look at it, it is just kind of overwhelming. And while as, uh, whereas other artists worked in lights, they worked in pastels, they worked in neons, maybe they have, they're, they're, they're literally just exploding off the page. We choose how we paint our situations. We choose how we paint our setbacks and our circumstances. What color will you choose? What color will you choose today? Gratefulness searches for, for colors of, of splendor. It takes the time to see the grander and the very simple. It keeps in mind the picture, the big picture of a church that we're all family and sees all people within that family as people who are valuable contributors to what we do. Every one of us, regardless of where we are, Regardless of what we're doing, every one of us has been gifted by God for a specific ministry. And that ministry, that calling hasn't changed. How we deliver that ministry has. And I hope what we're experiencing together has changed every one of us for the good. I hope it has revealed something in us that maybe we didn't know about ourselves. And revealed something in us about God that maybe we didn't know before. What colors are you going to choose?
when we do this, when we look at everything we do with this kind of honest evaluation, if we take a look at everything we're doing, everything we're about, and we're honest with ourselves about it, we see our church less as a commodity, less as a commodity, a place that we attend and receive goods and services. And we see it more as a community. A local spiritual assembly built around people journeying to become more like Christ. That is what we really ought to be. It changes us from being takers to being givers. God has called us to give. To give of our time and our talents and our resources. To give of ourselves in a way that we never thought we could because we couldn't without the Holy Spirit. And enables us to give beyond our measure, to give beyond our strength, to minister in a way that we never possibly could as opposed to just coming and being fed. People say, well, I left the church because I wasn't fed. I don't know if y'all ever heard that or not. We hear, about, we hear it all the time in, in church work. Well, I left the church because I just wasn't being fed. You have to come to the table to be fed. And coming to the table doesn't mean just sitting in the pew. It means, come, it means opening your heart to God. It means listening when He talks. It means being obedient to act when He, when he moves. It doesn't mean just coming and, and listening and hearing things that you want to hear. We have to be the church that God wants us to be. We have to journey to become more like Christ. In this way, we can be freed from simply liking our church. We can begin to appreciate our church based on our design, based on our faithfulness. Not just not the church building, not even First Baptist Church, but I mean the church as in us. We, the church, have to learn to love and respect and appreciate each other in new and different ways. Understand that we were all created by God. We were all created in His image. Every one of us is a person of worth and value. Every one of us that has accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior is a part of the family of God. And we may not always agree with our brothers and sisters that we sit around the table with, but it doesn't change our love for them. We have to love. And that love can flow out of a heart of gratitude. If gratefulness is not a regular trait in our experience, what can we do about that? What can we do about it if, 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 if we have done some careful, uh, honest introspection and we see that, that gratitude is just not one of our gifts? Okay? Well, first of all, it's not going to be a gift. You have to develop it. Okay? But what do we do if we look at that? One of the best ways to learn gratefulness, one of the best ways to learn gratitude is simply to practice it. We need to begin to show gratefulness. Let it flow from the change in our hearts. Let it transform us. Let it transform our family. Remember heart first? Let it transform who we are. It's as simple as finding somebody who's doing something right and telling them so. That doesn't seem so hard, does it? To find someone that's doing something right. They're trying, they're out there doing their thing, and they are trying so hard to do what God would have them to do and just telling them that you notice it. To thank them for what they've done, what they've spoken into your life, by being a friend, by being a Sunday school teacher, by being a mentor, whatever it is, just telling them thank you for what you've spoken into my life. I can't tell you how you've changed my life. By what you've done. Thank you for being obedient to the Lord. Our call is never to be false in our expressions of gratitude, though. We shouldn't just, you know, find somebody doing nothing and flatter them with false praise, right? We shouldn't do that. 
But what I am saying is that we should find gratitude by lessening our expectation of flawlessness. That's tough, right? Because we tend to hold people to a standard we don't hold ourselves to. But we find gratitude by lessening our expectation of flawlessness, particularly in the church. We are flawed people, every one of us. Every one of us are flawed people. So coming to the church expecting flawlessness, being around, uh, being around people who have accepted Jesus as their Savior and expecting them to be perfect people is just simply not going to happen. And using that as an excuse to distance yourself from the Lord is the wrong approach. The church is a place where sinners can come and understand that they're forgiven. A, place, a church is a place where people who are needy and helpless can come to find hope and help. We just need to remember that the people around us, just like ourselves, have warts too. And when we do that, we'll begin to experience gratitude for people who bring their warts and all into the body of Christ. And who allow it to be transformative in their lives. You see, a church family is a mix of people with all different talents and gifts and, and interests and experiences and, and opinions. When we sincerely, sincerely practice gratefulness, when gratitude begins to take hold in our hearts, you see, we factor in the diversity of our mix. We're all not the same. Praise the Lord. The church is not all the same. We're different people with different backgrounds and different experiences that bring everything we have together and make this, make this tremendous gumbo that we call the church. And that is what makes us strong in the spirit. The fact that we have different gifts and talents that we bring to bear on similar circumstances. When we are consciously grateful... When we're consciously grateful, for instance, we're reminded that sometimes the speaker has an off Sunday and that's okay. Or we acknowledge that sometimes a friend misunderstands us even as sometimes we misunderstand them. We recognize that some of the songs in the worship set just don't resonate with us. Our gratefulness reminds us that we're all sinners saved by grace and only God is perfect. Our practice of this trait allows us beautiful breathing room in our relationships with, with, uh, with others and in our interactions with others. Gratefulness hears the sounds of what could be, maybe even, maybe even what ought to be. And it guides us with hope. Gratefulness causes us to focus on God who is perfect in glory. It reminds us of all the gifts we shouldn't have been given. The friends we don't deserve. The grace that we will never earn. It's easy to lose this fragile gift, this, this gratefulness. It's easy to lose it. Gratefulness is readily displaced. It's unwittingly sometimes exchanged for want. It slumps into entitlement. It tricks us into thinking that we deserve more than we do. Gratefulness is to be cherished. It's to be carefully maintained. It is to be exercised in the shadows as well as in the floodlights. The Pharisees prayed in front of everyone so that, so that people would see them praying. We're supposed to do what? Go into our closets and pray, right? The same with gratitude. 
it's easy to stand before a bunch of people and express tremendous gratitude for, for something. It's not, maybe not quite so easy when it's just you and your heart to be grateful. So we're supposed to express our gratitude in the shadows as well as in the floodlights. Wonderful lesson that my family learned one time early on in our ministry, and I just want to share this with you. Early on in our ministry, we were, we were looking for a place to live, and, and we didn't know that we would ever find a house that we could afford. Okay, We didn't know that we would ever be able to do that. A house that was big enough for us, but one that we could afford. And there were some people who spent their time on the internet and talking to people looking for houses for us that we didn't even know about until one time this little house came available. And we, it, was a, it was a place that we could, we could afford, but it, boy, it was a fixer-upper. And some people came alongside us. It was a place that was, that was given to us by God. Okay, it was a place that was given to us by God. We, we believed that because we looked and couldn't find it, and then all of a sudden this perfect thing just happened. It was a gift from God, and, and it was a place given to us, made possible through the efforts and the love of others. It was, it was carefully cleaned and, and freshened up by hands that had better things to do, but helped us anyway. And to us, that beautiful little house, we called it the house that God built. Because we had owned homes before. Homes that we had bought in our strength and in our, in our ability and in, our, in, our, in ourselves. But this is one that truly came out of the hand of God. And we were grateful for it every day. And how we felt about that little house became more about the condition of our hearts than the condition of that house. Every week I learn lessons on gratitude by watching you. I hear, even though we're not together in the church anymore, I, I hear about the things that you're doing in this community. I see you continue to take meals to shut-ins. I continue, I continue to see you're getting out and, 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 and doing things that, that you can within the guidelines that we've been given to let people know that they're not forgotten, that they're loved, that, that, they're, that they're not alone. I continue to see you reach out to people in our community who have lost loved ones. To let them know that even though we don't gather together, the church is still with them. The church is still behind them. The church is still, uh, is still loving them and supporting them. I see it every day. I see what you do. I watch you greet each other. It's authentic. It's not fake. Even if you have to do the air bump, I watch you do it. And it's not just something that you do. It's, it's something that you, that you do wishing so deeply that you could still hug. I, I, I see that. I watch people teach Bible study. I listen to it. I watch y'all do those things. I watch the people who come and to make, the, to make our sound and our media go well. I watch the people who continue to minister through our worship team. They get out to do that. And I'm grateful. I'm grateful for who you are and for what you have done. I am grateful for your presence in this community. I am grateful for the fact that you have said that because First Baptist Church is not meeting in this building doesn't mean that First Baptist Church has surrendered its ministry into this community and in around the world. I'm thankful for that. I infuse every experience I have this week with gratefulness and I remember with gratitude you. Consciously, continually in my prayers, I thank you for who you are and for what you have done. No matter the circumstances, you can find things at your church that you're grateful for. No matter what's going on. Perhaps it's because 
where you worship has been built out of the deep commitment of men and women who have gone before you. Everything about it is just right. That's not to say we're perfect. That's to say that we're worshiping in a way that honors God, and that because of that, God has blessed us, and, and we're just right for who we are. doesn't mean we can't grow and learn and do, but it means that for where we are, we're just the way God wants us. And I encourage you to do that. It's never the size of a building that makes a church irresistible to heaven. It's the size of a heart that's in the building that makes it irresistible. And right now, our hearts are scattered across this community. I encourage you to continue to be the church. It's a lesson that I'm continually learning, how to, how to consciously slow myself down and see the beauty of God's creation. Maybe it's hard for you too. Maybe even you haven't slowed down in your living to see the new life that God is calling you toward. I, I would imagine that you probably have had the opportunity to. But in between binge watching on Netflix and in between doing these kind of things and, and cooking and, and cooking more in the last three weeks than, than we have cooked in ten years, maybe that's, you know, maybe those are things that are taking up our time, but we have time to consider what God has done for us. I encourage you not to let that time pass by. Don't let that time pass by and don't miss the opportunity to be grateful for what God has done. Stop for just a minute. Experience gratefulness. That's a church that I long to be a part of. That's a church I long to be a part of. One where gratefulness is seen on a daily basis. It's a trait that echoes back to the glory of God and it's part of what can make a church irresistible. Being grateful. Are you grateful today? Maybe some of you are listening and, and, understand, and, and you haven't had an experience with Jesus where he has changed and transformed your life. Maybe, that's, maybe you're struggling with that in your life. Maybe, maybe this thing about gratitude in, in the face of, of circumstances that are not perfect has, has caused you to stop and think. Maybe, maybe you're being called by God to, to a, a life that is, that is more uh, good and pure and noble because it's a life that is not surrendered to futility. It's not a life that's surrendered to anxiety or anger. It's a life that is totally surrendered to gratitude and to love and, and to service. Maybe God is calling you to something higher than a life that you're living to. Maybe you need to give your heart to Jesus today. If that is the case, you need to pray and ask God. You need to tell God, look, I am a sinner. I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I understand that the things I have done in my life have taken me to a place where I am not in communion with you, God, and I want to be in communion with you. I want to have a relationship with you. I want to love you. I want you to, to enter my heart and my life and make me a different person. Lord, I want to be the person that you have created me to be. I want to, to walk down this path that you have chosen for me, not a path that I have chosen. If that's the place, please pray that prayer and let us know. Call this church. Comment on Facebook. Send us an email through our website. Do something to let us know that you have made that decision for Jesus Christ. We want to celebrate with you. We want to celebrate that with you. And then, God will open your hearts in ways that you could not possibly imagine. And you'll begin to see the good in others. You'll begin to see the good in your life. You'll begin to see the good in your circumstances. And you will be able to have that gratitude that we've been talking about today. Let's make that a part of our lives as we pray together. Father, I thank you so much for your love for us. God, I thank you for your word, how it challenges us. God, I just, I just want to be grateful. 
Lord, help me in the times where I am weak and the times where I allow myself to be overcome by my emotions and negativity takes over and anxiety and fear envelop me. Father, I just pray that you would remind me, remind me to return to you. Remind me to return to where you are. Remind me to be grateful. God, you've been so much to me. You've done so much for me. You have, you have saved me and you have grown me in ways that I can't even begin to express my gratitude and appreciation for. How can I say thanks for the things you've done for me? Things so undeserved, yet you gave to prove your love for me. The voices of a million angels could not express my gratitude. All that I am and ever hope to be. I give it all to you, Father. To God be the glory this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.